Hello everyone, this is Uni Life with Candace Nodding. Hi Christine. Hey Miles. How's your day going? Off to a good start, how are you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Maybe the fifth time in the intro we got it done. That's right, feels good to be back on the podcast after Easter break. Yeah, we're on season three now. We've made it. We got renewed again. Very exciting. Yes. So do you want to explain to everyone what we are planning to do this season? Definitely. So this season, as this school year is coming kind of to a close through summer term, we thought it would be a great opportunity to communicate some things via the podcast um, in a way that kind of equip you or that things that you can carry with you as you enter into summer. And for some of you, that may be just a normal summer break. For some of you, that may be uh, that you're graduating and entering into a new season of life. But regardless of where you're headed next, we are going to be uh, doing a series called Before You Go, which is uh, before you go wherever you're going, really. And we are going to, each staff person is going to talk about something um, that they would like for you to know before you go. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really exciting series where you'll be able to hear from each one of us in the coming weeks. Uh, and so why is this something that we thought would be valuable to the people listening? I think because this has been a year unlike any other year. We have all gone through a full academic year while a pandemic was going on for the first time in all of our lives. And I think it feels like a good opportunity to add some encouragement to people's lives, to speak life into people's lives, and to, I think, maybe reframe our perspective on a few things. I think, I don't know about for you, but for me, like when I go through challenging challenging seasons, I can um, kind of get sucked into a uh, a negative way of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, this like, woe is me. You know, I feel like this year has worn on me, has been really difficult at times. And also like, that's not, I think the only thing to remember. Like my circumstances are not um, the end all be all in a lot of ways. There are other um things that I think are true that are real and that I can still focus on even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And so I think this is a good opportunity to kind of um, shine a light on some of those truths. I think that's a really great point you made that like our circumstances are real and the, everything that we felt for the past 13, 14 months has been difficult and is very um, yeah, hard, but it's not the end of the story and it's not the only thing that is real. And so I think this is really hopeful and helpful, hopefully this podcast where we can reflect on some of these other truths and bigger truths in the world around us. And so one fun thing about, 
uh, thinking through this podcast series is sort of reminiscing about our days at university. Uh, so how, how has that been re- reflecting on Uni Christine? I think it has been interesting. I mean, it's one of those things where you think back like, oh my gosh, if I would have known, you know, in my third or fourth year of uni where I would be, you know, in 2021 living in Nottingham, England, like that was not even kind of on my radar. Um, And I think for me, I think we talk about this quite often uh, around the Canvas team, like uni is something that I have such clear memories of, like what went on, who I was with, what kind of person I was. And so it's a real um, easy part of my life to kind of like look back on, reflect on, and kind of think about like where I've come from. Um, the Christine of uni days was a totally different person. And, um, I think that it's, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? It's awesome to be able to look back on those uni days and, um, just see how different my life is now from it, how it was then and the unexpected like twists and turns that have taken place And, um, yeah, I think that from reflecting on my past, I can, um, have been encouraged and hopefully we'll get the chance to share some of that encouragement with people who are currently navigating that uni season right now. Yeah, I think that's a great point. At uni, we, for most of us, it's the first time we're taking steps into becoming the people we envision to be the rest of our lives. Oh, we're we're not at home with our parents on a day-to-day basis, or we're really learning what it, what kind of people we want to be for the next 50, 60, 70 years. Mm-hmm. And you take small steps along the way. You sort of like, oh, I like this step, or I don't like this step. I, I And you sort of realize this is the things I want to do. These mm-hmm. are the people I want to be, spend time with. And uh, these are, this is what I want to build my life around. And so it's been fun to reflect on those days and in, in uni of those decisions I made and the things I said yes to and the things I said no to along the way. And so what are some of the things you did say yes to at uni that sort of shaped the person you ended up becoming? Mm-hmm. So for those who don't know, I went to uni to study to be a primary school teacher, and that's what I envisioned my life being. Um, In the midst of uni, I imagined graduating with a degree in primary education, getting a job teaching hopefully like five and six-year-olds, living in Atlanta, probably for the rest of my life. And uh, uni was kind of a time in my life where that trajectory started to change, but without really without me knowing. Um, So I was given an opportunity to um, intern or be an exchange student at the campus in Birmingham during my fourth year of uni. Um, And I don't know... um, if other people can relate to this, but I imagine some people can. I was in a place at that point in time where I was just unsatisfied with my experience of uni thus far. I think there are a lot of expectations put on what uni can be. Um, 
and I don't necessarily think that they're true um, or helpful some of the time. I think the uni can be awesome. I think it is a formational time in our lives. And I think that, like you were saying, we we start to become and figure out and explore who what kind of person we want to be, right? And also, I think there's a lot of emphasis less on who you're becoming, but like what you're doing and who you're with and like the, you know, kind of... Um, like a fairy tale version of uni. I don't know if, did you experience any of that, Miles? Oh yeah, I definitely. Like, oh, you're supposed to have all the fun parties and all the, meet all the fun people and experience everything. Yeah, and I think what's more true is that uni is the time where you kind of start to enter the real world and you, you know, exit this safe or hopefully like this home that you've grown up in um, that has been like probably provided some sort of stability I imagine for a lot of people into kind of this freedom and space that is totally different than that and um, I think with entering the real world comes the highs and the lows the good and the bad you know you get to see the um the good that comes from having the freedom, but also like the difficulty that comes from having responsibility. You know, there's two sides to that coin, I think. And so anyways, I was just um, not satisfied with my uni experience and had the opportunity to be an exchange student. And so it was kind of in through that experience that I said yes to um, that I kind of, um, I guess the trajectory of my life kind of started to slowly shift. And that uni experience of being an exchange student in Birmingham definitely changed your trajectory. Like for the past eight years, you've now lived in England, for example. And what did you end up saying yes to in your life from saying yes to that experience? So I think before I answer that, I I think it would be helpful to explain kind of what was going on up until that point in life. So I grew up in a Christian family. And so for me, you know, being a part of, of um, interning at Canvas, that's kind of where that link came from, I guess, like to be a part of a Christian organization. Um, but at that point in my life when I was a fourth year going to Birmingham for the first time, I would say that the role that Christianity played or my faith played in my life was so small. Um, like it kind of, it was kind of like this thing that I kept in a shoebox under my bed. Like it was there, but, and I could access it, but it was often like forgotten and dust was collected on it. That's kind of, I think what it, it wasn't prominent. Um, and looking back, I think I had a lot of misconceptions around um, faith and just a very limited view of what it was and what it could be. And, um, the impact it could have in my life. And I feel like during my time in Birmingham, that kind of started to break out of the box. And the way in which that happened was um, kind of what I want to talk about today, which is 
how I experienced not only receiving love in that season of my life, but most importantly, the power and transformation love can have when you're the one that's loving other people. Um, I think I always imagined up until that point in time that the transformation that happened from being loved was that the recipient being transformed. But I think so through that season of life, I realized that getting the opportunity to tangibly love people not only impacts them as the recipient, but really has the opportunity to completely impact the person, in that case, me, who was doing the the loving as well. I think that's like a great point. The mutual, both people are impacted by love, Mm -hmm. uh, the giver and the receiver. Do you mind sharing a bit more about your experience in Birmingham and how you experienced this reciprocal nature of love and how it transforms our lives? Mm -hmm. I think going into it, it, love was really ambiguous. Um, And so was faith and all of that was just more of an idea. It wasn't, it didn't have like, I didn't have a clear picture of what that looked like in my life or in the world. Um, It was just kind of this like idea that existed. And I think through my time in Birmingham, it kind of um, like came alive and um, became something that I had experienced and um, had the opportunity, I think, to um, engage with on a really personal level. And so just like here in Canvas Nottingham, my time in Canvas was about other people. It was about community. It was about friendship. It was about being together, supporting one another, Um, encouraging one another, those kinds of things. And I had never had the opportunity before that to devote most of my time to doing that, living that kind of life um, about other people. And so that is what um, I think the, my person, that's when the my perspective on love started to shift was when I experienced um, the impact that devoting my life to or like trying to slowly start focusing my life around other people, how that had an impact on me. Does that make sense? It does. So you mentioned like your faith started to come alive um, mm-hmm. as you started to devote your life towards other people. What like misconceptions did that like clear up then? Like as it started to come alive more? Mm-hmm. I think that my faith up until that point in time had a lot to do with like being a certain kind of person, like working harder and kind of like polishing, needing to refine my like imperfections and rough edges. And I think that experience showed me that I think faith is more an invitation to come as you are with those imperfections, with with those um, rough edges, and that you're not disqualified because of them, that we all have them, and 
that I think faith really comes down to love, like loving people, all kinds of people, and that you can do that no matter what you've done previously in your life. Like you, everyone has the opportunity to love. And I think it's a much, it's a really um, difficult thing to do, but it's not a complex idea. Like love is really a lot of, can be um, communicated through a lot of simple, small acts, I think. Mm -hmm. Do you mind just sharing any stories of how you devoted your life very practically for people or examples you had of when you sort of went from this one way of thinking about faith to this other way? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the one that I always come back to is, uh, this time when I had the opportunity to, um, <laughs> clean this girl's room, which is really random, I know. Um, but uh, it was just like a very tangible thing that needed to be done. And I just luckily happened to really enjoy cleaning an organization. And so it worked out really well for both of us. Um, but through that small act, I was able to see um, there be this shift in her life that it was kind of like the catalyst, like something was holding her back and just through cleaning her room just kind of made this subtle shift that kind of like changed the um, momentum, I guess, or reignited this momentum in her life to, um, in a more, to start taking steps towards a more healthy version of herself. And I just look back on that and remember thinking like, this is such an insignificant act of cleaning her room. But the ramifications were huge. And I think, like, that picture of, like, something so small that can be leveraged to have such a big impact is, I think, such a good picture of the power of love. That it can be such a small thing that we can do for another person, um, whether it be, you know, asking how they're sending a message and asking how they're doing or... um, uh, giving somebody a hug or, you know, whatever the small act is. But I think that the the thing that somebody needs to feel loved in a moment can have a profound impact on their life going forward, I think. I think that's just such a great story and illustration. It's like anybody could have cleaned her room. Like she probably knew plenty of people throughout her life, but it was just this simple act of like just giving some time and your energy to doing this loving act that started to change her life and was a catalyst of change. And I think sometimes we can get caught up in the big, like how big can I do it? And it's like these small, ordinary day-to-day like things we can say yes to that are extremely loving. And it just builds and builds and builds upon each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I really liked what you said just a bit ago about like love not being complex. What would you sum up love as then? So there's a few verses in the Bible in a book called First Corinthians, and it talks about love. And so I think that's a, a great place for us to start. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. 
It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And for me, so many years, I knew about this verse. Um, I had heard it time and time again, and it wasn't until this past year that there was a shift for me in thinking about this. I always thought about it as one long list about love that I could never remember. And there was just a moment in time where I was reminded of it and just had this realization that really it It is a long list, but it it starts by saying love is patient, love is kind. And the rest of the list is what it is not um, or what it always, you know, does. But it, it really focuses initially on these two things. Love is patient and love is kind. And again, it's like it went from this big idea of like, wow, that's really overwhelming. I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to do all of those things to like kind of zooming in to these two starting points. And it's like that just it was almost like an invitation to like start here. You know, what does it look like to be patient and kind? Yeah, simplifying it, it's so sometimes like love can be such an ambiguous thing. And then we're like, ah, what is it? And then to simplify it to these two things, patience and kindness. So what is patience and what is kindness? So we as a team read this um, book together within the past year. And the one of the authors of the book talked about how patience is about being present. And so often we can feel like, I think in life, that we are on this like conveyor belt or treadmill, just going, 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 going on to the next thing, anticipating where, where we're going from here. And patience is about being present in the moment um, fully, fully engaged, fully listening I think it has a lot to do with um, offering our time to other people um, and not feel not um, having this pressure that communicates that like I need to or want to be somewhere else other than here. Um, and so that's what patience looks like, I think. Um, that's what I think of when I think of patience. Yeah, I think that's a really great illustration of like, when you are patient with somebody, they're basically the only person in the world right in front of you sort of thing and not being like somewhere else in your head and mind where you're communicating, oh, you're not as invaluable or important as these other people or things or tasks or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. How about kindness? Kindness is harder, I think, to articulate um... And also I feel like it's one of those characteristics that you just know. Like when you engage with somebody who's kind, you just like, it's this sense that you get about. There's like, it's not like, a their presence is not like abrasive or hurtful in any way. It's like, 
there's a gentleness I think that comes with kindness um there's a friendliness I think that comes with kindness a warmth comes to mind um like an embrace there's something that's just like it's someone that I that I would like not like want to gravitate towards I feel like it's one of those qualities that is uh, is like quite magnetic if that makes sense yeah, and I've also found that kindness isn't self-seeking sort of thing. Like, sometimes you encounter people who are nice, but it, it's a lot of times, oh, you want people to, like, look at them well. Like, kindness just overflows and is natural. And you can't just make it up, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, like, with the um, patience and being generous with your time, I think there is a generosity that comes with being kind as well um, because like you said it's about the other person and yeah so those are two things that I think stand out when I think about mm -hmm. love is patience and kindness. So you shared just a bit ago from this example of 1 Corinthians 13 which is um, a story or not even a story it's a part of the Bible that is read a lot of times at weddings, especially Christian weddings. But do you, are there any other biblical illustrations of love that is really helpful for us to get an idea of what the Bible and what God says about love? Yeah, there's another story. Uh, it's often referenced um, as the prodigal son, and it's about the three, I would say, main characters is a father and two sons. And uh, one of the sons decides that he wants his in inheritance early. And so he asks for it. And then he leaves the home. And he goes out and he spends all of his money until he is completely broke. Um, he has no money for food. He has no job. He's in need. And in that need he is confronted with um you know finding a solution needing to find a solution to his needs in that moment and he decides to go back home and to ask to be a servant in his father's house and his it, the picture that i love in this story is um as the son is walking home the story says that the father sees him and like runs towards him and um i think there's much more to the story that we could talk about in other ways that love is um illustrated through it but in this interaction specifically the father you know, gave his son this inheritance, which in and of itself was just outlandish because his father was still alive. And so it was crazy request. But he, um, you know, what didn't try to control the son, he fulfilled the son's wishes and, and completely surrendered, you know, I'm sure his what he wanted in the situation and allowed the son to, um, you know, leave and then he waited for him um and when the son returned he didn't you know uh lay into him or you know like let out all of his frustration towards him or whatever he received the son with love he waited for him um and then he he made a move towards him as soon as the son was on his like he could see him coming 
back. And I think that that is such a picture of patience and kindness in his waiting and the way that he embraced his son when he came home. Mm -hmm. Like love is transforming in that story. Like the son's expectations were like, oh, I'm expecting the worst. Not even the worst. Like I'm expecting like maybe this small like act of kindness and it's just sort of God's love for people is just so much better and kinder than we can ever imagine and it doesn't fit into our imaginations a lot of the time yeah I think that's true in the story the father is the like that is what God is referred to as a lot of times God the father and that is a picture like you said of God how God I think wants to embrace us We are, I so relate to the son um, that left, that wanted to do it his own way, that had this idea of like, you know, I can, I can take control and be independent and do it exactly how I want to. And I think um, we were all created to have needs in life. And I think that it's in embracing those needs that I have that I realize that I uh, those are going to be they have to be satisfied from somewhere else like I can't meet all of the needs that I have Um, and I think that it's in that relationship with God the Father just as with that story that I have experienced um, some of those needs being met. Yeah, I think it's an incredible story. If you want to check it out, it's in Luke 15 in the Bible. If uh, you have time and want to read along with it. And also, you mentioned sort of like love transforms us from like sometimes one way of thinking to another way of thinking. Uh, Is there any other mentions of love in the Bible that really talks about this transformation process? There are lots of different um, places in the Bible where it mentions love. It is a huge topic in the Bible for sure. Uh, another one that, um, stands out to me is in first John, it talks about how there is no fear in love, that perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And, I don't know about you, but I can be so fearful in life um, and experience just a fear of the unknown, fear of being out of control, fear of bad things happening, like um, this like scarcity mentality of like not having enough. Um, And I think what love does is create this security um, for us to exist within that says like, um, you know, that God is enough for us, that God's love is enough to, to meet our needs, that it isn't going to run out, that it isn't going to be, um, conditional based upon my behavior or my, uh, flaws or imperfections that, um, it's, it's a constant that I can always depend on. And I think that there's a lot of um, just hope that comes from that, I think. 
Oh, I think it's such a great point, that scarcity, fear-based mindset, because I think a lot of evils and roots of evils in this world is based off that mindset of, oh, I don't have enough, and I need to protect what I have, and I'm afraid of change or the people who are different than me and like so many things go back to that like fear mentality and that this love can transform that fear mentality from a place of scarcity to a place of abundance is i i just think that's really hopeful and helpful news to our world today mm -hmm. and so uh jesus also talks about love a lot um it's one of his favorite topics uh and jesus doesn't even just mention like loving the people we're friends with and stuff. Jesus talks about like loving people who we disagree with, loving even our enemies. Uh, do, do you have more thoughts about what Jesus has to say on that? I think like most things, Jesus kind of like the picture of the faith in the shoebox under my bed just like totally obliterates any sort of like little um, container or box that we like to put things in. Um, like the picture that Jesus paints of love in the Bible is, is vast, is wide, is deep, is unconditional, is for everyone, always, all the time. Um, that it is not, Jesus is not obligated. That is not the motive for his love. His love comes from um, free will and for, um, yeah, from within and is an overflow. And yeah, I think that the love that Jesus demonstrated um, in his life is the love that he calls us to. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I think, I think it's in receiving uh, the love Jesus has for us. I think that is um, what gives us the opportunity to share that love with other people. Um, it's in receiving it that allows that to be um, like an overflow in our lives of sharing the abundance of love from Jesus with other people. I really love that point you made about Jesus not being obligated to us. It's like Jesus chooses you and I think it's just like, no, Jesus is like, I want you and I want to love you. And it's just not like, a, I'm forced to do this. I'm just like, oh, if I have to take you along for the ride, sure, you can come. Mm -hmm. No, Instead, it's like, no, I want you and I'm inviting you and I want you to participate in this. Yeah, the love of Jesus is so countercultural. Like, it's so different than anything that looking at our world um, you, you kind of deduct from what love is like, it's different. And so I think it's so important to like go to the, it's almost like this idea of, um, you know, when you want to know what a word means, you look it up in the dictionary, right? Because you're going to the source of the information. Similarly, 
God is love embodied like in Jesus. And I think if you want to know what real love looks like, like the person of Jesus is where you're going to find that. If you look anywhere else, you're going to find a distorted view of what love is. Like the only person that is going to fully exemplify what Mm. love is, is the person of Jesus. And it's, through his life that you see this idea of love being transformational. Like you see it in, in the people's lives that he came in contact with. Um, their lives were transformed through the love that he showed them. And I think that that is the picture. Um, and my hope for like everyone is that we would all be able to encounter that kind of love and have our lives transformed by it so that we then can be a part of sharing that love with this world. I think that's like really helpful looking at Jesus as the source and as like sort of our starting point for how we look at love and if we don't use Jesus as our starting point, we can sometimes get confused along the way and make mistakes along the way. Do you have an example of one correction or something that Jesus makes on how we view love? Yeah, so earlier you mentioned, you know, this idea of Jesus setting a high bar of love, which includes not just the people that we like, but people that fall outside of those boundary lines. He talks about, you know, not just loving your neighbor or your friend or the person that you gel with, but loving your enemies. And when I look at the world, I mean, it is, there are obviously so many parts about it that are broken. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to look far to realize like there are, um, there's a lot of brokenness in, in, in relationships. And, um, I think, you know, it's easy to have a natural reaction to that, um, to other people's brokenness and shortcomings, which is like exclusive and, um, anger and hate and I mean just all sorts of um negative reactions and also I think that love is the thing going back to this idea of it being transformational like hating or ignoring or excluding people is not going to be something that transforms. Like, um, I forget who says it, maybe Martin Luther King, but talks about how hate breeds more hate and Mm -hmm. like love is what breeds more love. And it's like, I think we all want to live in a world with more love. You know, it's, we look around and there's so many sad things. There's so much hatred and like, us versus them mentality and it's just like how amazing the world would be if we could love more and I think it starts with us like it starts love starts with me it starts with me and my interaction with the 
person who is driving the bus that I'm on on the way to Canvas and the uh, random person that I accidentally bump into uh, in Tesco and um, the my ha- my housemates or my coworkers or whatever like that it starts there but it doesn't stop there you know I think the love that um, that Jesus is kind of calls us to is the reasons it, it's transformational is that it's for everyone in all situations. Um, not just the people that we feel like we like, but everyone. Um, and if that were the case, like if we take that idea of loving not just our neighbor, but our enemy, like we would then love everyone. And I think that that's really what Jesus is calling us to is like, if we all loved everyone, then this world would be full of love. Um, And that I think is the kind of life that Jesus lived was one that loved all of the people that he came in contact with. Um, So, yeah. And circling back to what you said, like love is patient and love is kind from earlier like one of our researchers and people we love to listen to in podcasts is this woman named Brene Brown. And there's just so much research done into this that so often in our feelings of hurt and stuff, we want to shame people and to uh, just act out of that because we want to be understood and make our feelings known to other people. But this act of shaming other people and using that to try to hold people accountable for ways they've wronged us does not work. It doesn't change behavior. It doesn't get the results we want. Love is the thing that changes people and changes situations and changes um, behavior and in a way allows us to be seen and understood in our pain in those moments. And so while it is not the easiest thing to choose to be patient and kind, it is extremely like the thing that transforms. Mm-hmm. And it's an invitation for everyone. Like it doesn't matter what you're what marks you got in your uni qualification or what job you're doing or what role you're playing in life. Like everyone has the opportunity to love or not love in each and every moment of our lives. And so this is a very inclusive invitation for each person to um, take part up, take part in. And yeah, I think that it's the the key to transformation in this world is experiencing love and loving others. I think that's great. So as we end and come to a close in our podcast today, we're going to end slightly differently than how we have before. Um, Since the staff will be the ones uh, who are sharing in the podcast in the coming weeks, we're not going to keep on reiterating the rapid fire questions that a lot of us have answered before. Instead, we are going to give a different question. And the question that I'm going to ask Christine today is, what is something you would have liked to known as you were finishing university? For me, I think it would be that it's okay if you don't use your uni degree. I think it's probably more broad than that because 
there's this pressure to kind of continue on this linear path of like, okay, you go to uni, you get this degree, and then that is what is going to um, equip you and set you up for like the next part. So you take what you gained from then, um, and then you use it to proceed. Um, that's not necessarily the case. Um, I am almost 10 years post uni and I've never used my uni degree. And I am really uh, thankful for the life that I'm living right now, having not used my uni degree. And so I think, yes, I think uni is wonderful. I think it can be a fabulous experience. Um, like we've talked about, it's a formational time of your life. And also, it's not the end-all be-all. If you end up leaving uni and deciding that you don't want to devote the rest of your life to the thing you just got a degree in, that's okay. There are so many different opportunities and paths for you to explore in life. And so I would say it's like one tool in your toolbox, your uni degree, um, but it is not the thing that defines you and it doesn't limit you. Um, to have to pursue this specific um, area of work or whatever. I think you have the opportunity to, um, yeah, continue to live your life in exploration of finding out more about what you like and what you're passionate about. And I would just say, um, you know, try to be kind to yourself as you navigate that. And um, if you have to reroute along the way, that's totally fine. What matters is, I think, what you're learning um, along the way. And so, yeah, that would be something that I would, I would tell my uni self. It's okay, Christine, if you don't ever circle back around to using this degree. That's not uh, a loss. I think that's a great takeaway. Thank you all, the listeners, for listening to us today. Um, we will be back next week with David. And David's going to be sharing next week. So be on the lookout for the podcast next week. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye.